Um, I want to start off by telling you a bit of a joke. It's a little bit sick, but... <laughs> there was a... Uh, you see, there was a blind man, and he had a guide dog, which was a golden Labrador, and it was well-trained. But he also had another a pet. He had, the, well, he had the Labrador, the guide dog, and he also had a black cat. Now, the black cat was a nice-looking cat that was very selfish, very proud, and, uh, yeah, rather cunning. Anyway, one day, the, uh, the vet, a veterinary surgeon pulled up at the blind man's house. He'd come to pick up the cat and the dog to take them in for their six-monthly uh, health checkup, And so... The vet put them in the station wagon in the back and took them in and did all their tests and everything was fine. Then he thought it was time to bring them back home again. And so as he headed off, he uh, came to an intersection, a giveaway light was green light, so he went through. But unfortunately, a car came through the red light at high speed, ploughed into the back of the vet's station wagon. The veterinary surgeon was got out with a few scratches, but unfortunately, the cat and the dog were both killed instantly. The next thing that happened was the cat and the dog found themselves standing before the great white throne before God. And God looked at the dog and he said, Dog, why sh can you tell me in your own words why I should give you a seat in heaven here with me? And the dog said, well, well, God, I love my master. He was a kind man. I took him safely everywhere. I led him up the street as, a, as his guide. And I did everything he asked me to. And God smiled and said, so you did, dog. Well done. Sit on that, on that seat over there that is reserved just for you. And so the dog went and sat on his seat. And then God looked at the cat and he said, Cat, can you tell me in your own words why I should give you a seat in my kingdom here in heaven? And the cat glared at God and hissed and said, I already have a seat in this place and you're sitting on it. <laughs> now that's a bit sick. But you know what? I want you to get the point. The nature of that cat is the very nature of Satan. He is our enemy that we're dealing with. And thank you, Tim, for presenting that because he is very cunning, he is very proud, he is very selfish, and he is working hard. But it, it says so in Revelation that this would happen in the last days, and we're in the last days, believe it or not. And so we don't have to fear Satan, but we do have to be wary of his devices. So how would you describe Satan? He's proud, he is defiant, a very deceptive liar, and he's a murderer from the beginning. This is what Jesus said in John 8. John 8. He's absolutely a murderer and a liar. Satan was cast out from the uh, heaven originally, because he had induced many angels to support him in attempting to overtake the throne of God. Of 
course, God cast him out. He had no chance of beating God. And from then on, Satan was motivated by hatred. He was cast down to earth, and he's still here today. We don't see him, we don't hear him, but he's here. How would you describe God the Father? Absolute opposite of what Satan is. A righteous God, a loving God, a kind and merciful God, and a very just God. He does not tolerate or accept sin because of this destructive nature and the consequences of sin are very severe. Out of his great love, God created all things as we know it. He created mankind and he's supplied everything we need to exist. Yet God has given us free will, the right to choose and make decisions for ourselves. The fall of man came when Satan managed to deceive the first man and woman that God had created. They chose to believe the deceiving lie that Satan presented to them. They'd made a wrong choice. Satan used just enough truth to persuade them to eat the forbidden fruit. Now God had already told Adam not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of, of good and evil because he did not, he, if he did, he would surely die. Adam was free to eat the fruit of all the other good trees in the garden, but not from this particular tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So Satan sneaks around and he finds Eve, who after she was there on her own. And, and he said to Eve, if you eat of the fruit of the tree of the, <coughs> of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will not die. God doesn't want you to receive the blessing and the knowledge of good and evil. He doesn't want you to be like he is and to be wise and all-knowing all things. God is having you on, Eve. <coughs> Satan was very crafty and poor Eve was taken in by Satan's deception. We know that not only did she eat of this forbidden fruit, but she induced Adam to eat some also. So then their eyes were indeed opened and they became aware of good and evil. But they had failed God's test. Disaster was the consequences that followed. God confronted Adam and Eve and said, Now you shall suffer hardship and suffering and pain, and you shall have to work from your, for your food by cultivating from the very soil of the, of, from which you came from. And you shall struggle it until your physical body perishes completely. You shall return to the dust from which you were formed. So mankind and God's creation came under a curse. Adam and Eve were driven out of Eden, but God also cursed the serpent, who is Satan, for his crime. God put enmity between Satan and the seed of the woman. Genesis chapter 3 says that. And God said to Satan, You shall bruise his heel, and he shall, you shall bruise his heel, but he shall bruise your head. Satan was, became motivated, motivated by pure hatred. Satan had crossed the point of no return. He'd gone so far there was no way for him to ever come back or to enter the kingdom of heaven in, a, in any permanent state again. He had cut himself right off completely, the choice he made. 
Satan hates God because it was God who rightfully cast Satan out of his presence and exiled Satan to the earth with all his evil followers. He hates God because he knows that punishment will come to him eventually. Satan hates God because he wanted the title that God all alone has. Satan still desires to be worshipped and to be number one. Selfish pride corrupted Satan, and this has led to his downfall. Satan hates everyone who belongs to Christ, because one day we will be worshipping God in heaven. You see, Satan was at one time the worship leader in heaven until selfish pride got the better of him. Satan is still hell-bent on opposing God's plans, even though he is already defeated. When Jesus, from the seat of the woman, and a perfect, noble son of God, hung on that cross, suffering for all our sins and the sins of all mankind, and he cried out, It is finished. It was then that he, Jesus, crushed the head of Satan once and for all. Now the captives would and could and would be set free, which includes you and I. When Jesus rose from that grave and his tomb was empty, Jesus had conquered sin, death and hell once and for all. The curse is broken for all who believe in Jesus now. This is the good news. Satan is still trying to deceive people. He is still lying and he is still murdering whenever and wherever he can. So I said before, we do not have to fear him because greater is he who is within us than he who, he, who Satan, is in the world. But this comes from 1 John 4, 4. But we do need to be wary of him and his devices. We now come to the story of Job, which Linda read out for us this morning. You know in the story how Satan appears before God in that first chapter, you see, as instructed. He had to appear along with all the other angels. Satan had no choice to, but to be there because God is sovereign over all. And God just wanted to do a bit of a check-up on how things were going and he also wanted to check up on Satan. And the Lord said to Satan, where do you come from? Satan says, Reply, replies, I've been walking here and there on the earth. And the Lord said, Have you noticed my servant Job, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? Satan replies, Does Job fear God for nothing? You keep a hedge around him all that, and all that he has. You have blessed him in everything he does. But now... Stretch out your hand against everything he has and he will surely curse you to your face. So God said, Okay, all that he has is in your hand, but do not lay a hand on Job. Satan then leaves the presence of God. In one day, Satan steals away all of Job's possessions his livestock 
and his servants and even his sons and daughters who were partying together in their oldest, oldest brother's house. A great wind comes and destroys the house and all inside. Job receives all this terrible, devastating news. In spite of his grief and shock and anguish, he tears his robe, shaves his head and fell to the ground and worships God. He said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I, naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin nor charge God with any wrong. So now, all I can say, folk is, folks, is that Job is a better man than what I am. I don't think I'd have taken it that lightly, like Job did. But who knows until we're tested. Again, Satan appears before God on the appointed day, another time. And the Lord says to Satan, From where do you come? Satan says, Walking to here and there on the earth. And God says, Have you noticed my servant, Job, a blameless and upright man who fears God and shuns evil? Yet Job still holds fast to his integrity, although you, Satan, incited me against him to destroy him without cause. Satan says, skin for sin, skin for skin. Yes, all that a man has he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh and he will surely curse you to your face. So the Lord said to Satan, behold, he is in your hand but spare his life. So Satan departs from the presence of the Lord and struck poor Job with painful boils from the sole of his feet to the crown of his head. Job takes a piece of broken pottery to scrape himself with to try and relieve the discomfort and he sits down amongst the ashes. Then his wife said to him, and he can understand where his wife was coming from, seeing a husband in such a state, having lost their, all their children and everything, and could see the misery and pain in her husband. She says, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and just die. But what Job said to her, You speak like a foolish woman speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God and shall we not accept it, also accept adversity? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Now when Job's three friends heard of all this adversity that had come upon Job, each one came from his own place with Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuite and Zophar the Nathamite. Namathite. For they had made an appointment together to come and mourn with him and to comfort Job. But when they saw him, they raised their eyes from afar and they saw him. They did not recognise him. They saw a broken man. They lifted their voices and wept. And each one tore his robe and sprinkled dust on his head towards heaven. 
So they sat down with Job on the ground for seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his grief was indeed very great. The suffering of Job was absolutely extreme. It was obvious that Job's friends loved him, they did. Yet they did not understand that God sometimes uses suffering to achieve the greater good to shine out in our lives. God uses suffering to achieve the greater good to shine out in our lives. The end result will justify the means. God cannot always spare us from some suffering in order to achieve his good works in our lives. Job's friends tried to convince Job that he needed to repent before God for whatever sin he had committed. They were wrong. God had already told Satan that Job was a blameless and upright man, a man who fears God. Job was known by God, you see, and Job knew who God was, and Job knew God better than any other man alive at that time. Job's friends turned out to be poor comforters. Poor Job was alone in his deep suffering, and he was falsely accused. Just like Jesus was alone in his suffering and also falsely accused. Yet the suffering that Job endured, great as it was, was nothing compared to the suffering that Jesus endured on the cross for all of us here today. God the Father suffered too, as his noble perfect son had to suffer in order to save you and I from a fate worse than death. Thank God it is done. The work and, suffering, the work and sacrifice and suffering that Jesus endured on the cross is complete and it is finished. God restored Job, he healed Job and gave Job twice as many blessings as he had before. For he had seven more sons and three more daughters and livestock in abundance and he lived a long full life. You know the wonderful thing about Job was that when the circumstances around him were good he was, he was happy and, he, and Job honoured and gave thanks to God. He walked humbly with God. He loved and served his God. And even when suffering and evil came against Job, Job did not turn away or depart from God. Instead, Job hung on to God. He clung to God. Job sat and waited for God. He decided to meet face to, he desired to meet face to face with God. He was still spiritually hungry for God in spite of it, of his suffering. Job knew he, could, he could just could not exist without God. Job turned his attention to God. His focus, focus was on God. Job 13, 15 and 16, Job says, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Even so, I will defend my own ways before him. He also shall be my salvation. Note that, he also shall be my salvation. Glory to God. Proverbs 1, 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. No, this is hypothetically hypothetical, but 
Just suppose I was an atheist and I didn't believe in God. Well, I would have to rely on my own wisdom to get by in life. I would have to do my own thing. I might just believe in everything science teaches me, though there is division, there is divided opinion amongst all scientists today on many issues. They don't all agree on the same thing. But I could trust science. I could only hope for the best for the future and enjoy myself as best I could and keep on living for as long as I could. I would hope that climate change was maybe not true, but then if maybe the climate change and global warming would just maybe hold off until I die anyway, I would hope that when I am dead, it would be just like a peaceful sleep forever. Nobody troubling me and um, just in peace, a peaceful sleep. Now, a lot of people believe that. However, I am not an atheist. Thank God for that. Did I believe in God by choice? No. I believe in God because he first loved me and he first chose me. John fifteen sixteen, Jesus says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and your fruit should remain that Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You know, it means everything to me that our Father God wants us to seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness. And all that which we need will be given to us if we seek God first in his kingdom. Everything we need will be given to us. Father God wants us to seek his kingdom because he wants to give us the kingdom of heaven. He wants you and I to be there when Jesus comes to take all his chosen ones to glory in heaven with him. He wants us to be ready for him when he comes. Luke chapter twenty-one thirty-six. Jesus says, Watch therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man, that is Jesus. If we are ready when he comes, then we'll also be found doing the will of the Father just like Job did. We'll sum up now at this point of time. Okay, what can we learn from Job's experience? What does God teach us from Job's experience? Point number one. Job knew God loved him. He discovered God loved him. And Job responded to God and he loved God. He sought God. He had a right relationship with God. Second point. Job feared God. That's important. Job feared God. Job continually continually served God and offered sacrifices for all his children, summing them and sanctifying them all. He was blameless and upright before God and in everything he did. We too need to fear God above anything and everything else. 
Proverbs 11.10 says that fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Job recognised who God is and so Job trusted God even though even through his incredible suffering. And point number three, Job desired above all else to walk with God. He had a hunger for the spiritual things of God. Even through his incredible suffering, Job refused to let go of God. He hung on to God. He desired to meet his God face to face, and he did. God came to him and spoke to him before he healed him and restored everything to him. He wanted to plead his cause before his creator. He cried out to God and God heard him and came and rescued Job. We too need to learn from Job. Regardless of our circumstances today, now as we saw this morning what Tim presented, the circumstances we are facing today are very subtle. It's also anti-God, it's anti-Christ. And it's anti-good. We have a situation in Europe developing now where Europe, all the nations of Europe are becoming, uh, forming a military alliance together. The Pope is heading it up and he's going to make, they're going to raise up the Roman Catholic Empire like it was in, in a sense. And they intend to have a great school of education for the future generations. They don't need God anymore. We have enough wisdom, they say. The Pope's saying this, and if you don't see, you can see that on on um, YouTube in his own words. And this is what's happening to our world today. We can see how it's being prepared in every country of the world today. You know what's going on. You don't need to, me to tell you any more gruesome details. But regardless of our circumstances today, no matter how severe or how bad it gets, let us seek our God and hang on to him just like Job did. God has promised to never leave us nor forsake us. Remember that old saint, thank his hymn, ask the Saviour to help you, comfort, strengthen and keep you. He is willing to aid you. He will carry you through. To live out our lives then, with our God is what we need to do today, folks. Let your life and my life be a life fully sustained in Christ Jesus. We will surely finish well. We will also be a light and a comfort to many people in our community today. And the people in our community today are worried, not just because of the water situation and the drought, but because how everything, how they've been betrayed by our own politicians and leaders. But let us be like Job and be there for our community with the strength that the Lord gives us. Amen.